bought a limo? No, 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 no. That would be very unwise. <laughs> We leased a limo. Yeah, yeah. It's only costing you $1.50 an hour. Oh, my God, that's $1,000 a month. How did she do that? Quick, tell her about the beauty part. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Angela, you want to hear the beauty part? This is it. When we're not using the limo, we park it in front of the building to impress people. Tony, that's a no-parking zone. Damn. <laughs> Angela, here is the other beauty part. See, when we are not using it for our clients, then we can rent it out for an enormous profit. Yeah, yeah. And look, now that you haven't got the rice cake account, this is going to bring in a lot of extra money. Who's going to rent it? People. Oh, people. What kind of people? People that aren't smart enough to lease their own limo. <laughs> oh, stupid people. Hello. Welcome back. To, that was a very loud hello. I know. I, I, I kind of jumped. I jumped. <laughs> Welcome back to... Hey, oh. Away. The Who's the Boss podcast. I know. I'm just trying to have some energy because it's 9.50 at oh, night. Yeah. And so sometimes I feel like when I listen to these, I sound like I'm about to fall asleep. No, that's not true. <laughs> uh, we are here. Wait, I'm Tori. Probably, probably me. I'm gonna about to fall asleep. I'm Kevin. And we are here to rewatch and discuss every single episode of Who's the Boss. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to do season three, episode four. The title is Mona's Limo. It first aired on October 28th, 1986. So this is what, three days before Halloween. Oh. Never got a Halloween episode of Who's the Boss. Ever? No, not, not once. Why? I wonder why. Yeah, me too. Like, there was a Thanksgiving. There were a couple, a few Christmases, I think. Never right. Halloween, which is a bummer. That would have been fun. I wanted to see trick-or-treating or mm. dressing up. Jonathan and I feel like... dressed as E.T. <laughs> yes, right. What would Samantha have been? Probably mm. just a cat, because girls were always just a cat back then. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, like... I also think that Halloween shows were really big back then. Well, yeah. maybe that was a little later. I know Roseanne used to go all out for the Halloween shows. They were a lot of fun. Maybe they just didn't care about Halloween. No, I guess not. So the TV Guide summary for this episode is, while Angela is away trying to scare up clients for her struggling agency. <laughs> scare up. <laughs> Why? Why Halloween? scare? Oh, you think, is that how they worked Halloween into this <laughs> I episode? I don't know. Remember, when you remember when... Um, I mean, in the episode, there's a tiny pumpkin. Well, yeah. Oh, wait. Spoiler alert. I was going to get there when we got there. Yeah, I'll point out the the one Halloween decoration in this entire episode. Scare. Um, Maybe that's what they were trying to get people. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Mona starts a limousine service that's an overnight success. Uh, Okay. This episode was written by Carrie Honigblum, Mm -hmm. who we've hit, we've. Um, I believe we've already had one of her episodes. And uh, Renee Phillips, they appear to be a writing team. Oh, okay. And then the story was by Michelle Bueller-Glazer. So three women worked on this oh, episode. Excellent. And Carrie Hoganblum, is, her name was also used in a previous episode. I remember I pointed it out, but now I have no idea which episode it was. I kind of remember that, actually, now that you're mentioning it. Yeah. Somebody's last name was Honenblum or something. Yeah, like that. probably. And I love when Somebody they do from that. Somebody Tony's the, neighborhood. With the the, um, the writers. So, what's interesting is when this episode opens, um, Tony's looking at the camera and yeah. addressing the camera. I thought that was pretty cool. Like, yes, very clever. Like they're shooting it like a commercial, but <laughs> even when they do that in TV shows and sitcoms, they usually are looking the other way, pretending they're looking at a camera. Like the fact that they had him look right at the camera. Was yeah, pretty it was cool. very cute. Like, interesting. Yeah, it like was they're done doing well. a little commercial. Funny. Right. <laughs> and he's Sorry. Looking yeah. at that fourth wall. Yep. Okay. Exactly. So the commercial that they're pretending to do is for a rice cake company called Ping's Rice Cakes, mm. um, and this is a client that Angela's working on wooing over to the Bauer agency. Um, so Tony has the kids blindfolded. And he hands them rice cakes. And Jonathan's like, why do we have to be blindfolded? And um, Tony says... Because the fluke like. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> if you wouldn't eat it. You wouldn't eat it. But I mean, it really, it, it just looks like a rice cake. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a tiny bit green. I know, but I feel like back then, like, rice cakes were still like, oh, that's gross. Or, that's a good point. Like, they weren't yeah, as popular they were then. It was like, what is this? Like, right. anything that's new is, what is this? And then it becomes popular and right, it's a regular right. thing. So. Yes. And these seem to be odd flavors. So the kids try them. And they both immediately spit it out. You see rice cake flying through the air across the shot of Mona. No, poor Mona's. <laughs> I know. Just getting pellets of rice cake in her, <coughs> in her way. <laughs> uh, and so Angel's like, okay, so you don't like the sushi flavor because Jonathan says it tastes like fish. All right. And now here's another thing, too. So rice cakes were probably pretty West Coast then. I would think. I guess. I mean, like I stuff remember starts rice here cakes. that like diet fads or whatever. Yeah, I feel like true. rice cakes were a healthier thing. And on top of it, they made it sushi, sushi. flavored That's rice true, cake, right. which would be a West Coast. Right. To make it way, yeah, way California. Way California. Yeah. But I do remember rice cakes as a kid. I do too. It's like but I, right. a diet thing. I just bet you it's, it's me too. I remember. Oh, that's what you eat when you're on diet. This cardboard yeah so the kids are refusing to try anymore so now tony's trying to get mona to try the pizza flavored one and she's saying no and so he goes ahead and tries it and he's like this actually isn't that bad they should make a beer one that you can wash it down with this ain't that bad (laughs) yeah and angela's very excited about that (laughs) she's like "Ooh," and she's taking notes and why would there be a pizza rice cake (laughs) what is what does that consist of so uh, Samantha gets up and she says, well, I hate to spit and run, but we have to go to school. And the audience really laughed at that. And I feel like she almost kind of laughs at her own joke there. So she asked Jonathan on the way out, have you read Tom Sawyer? And he says, yes. And she's like, great. You can tell me all about it on no, the way to school. school. <laughs> so last week she was about to go to a prestigious prep school. And now this week she's cheating on her nine-year-old kind of brother's homework. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Tell him all about right. But he is very... Smart. Uh, yeah, book smart. I don't <laughs> want to say nerdy. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, he That's is nerdy. Nice, but you no, know Jonathan what I mean. He's a smart. He's the smart one. Yes. Um, Studious. And then Mona's like, okay, Angela, come on, we have to get to work because I am going to have breakfast at the place across the street. Right. And Angela says, the, there is no place across the street. It's just a construction site. And that's where Mona wants to go have her breakfast. I mean, what? <laughs> She's going to go over there with an egg McMuffin and sit with all the construction workers? Yeah, I guess they, when she just likes to sit there and just have them continuously yell disgusting things at her while she eats. Sure. Sounds like a Now, that good is a stereotype of construction workers, and I just want to point that out. Back then? Still now, I okay. think. Okay. But, <laughs> but probably way more back then. But yes, yeah. not all... I'm, I, I've never actually seen that. Neither have I. So I don't want to really play that stereotype, but sorry. Um, Okay, now the other thing is that if you're watching this, so season three is not streaming anywhere. Um, I've heard that the Roku channel should have three and four up in March and April because they cycle through the seasons that they have. So right now they have season one and two. Right. I went ahead and I grabbed all these episodes while they were still up on Crackle. But if you're watching this through Antenna TV, then this entire first part is cut. From where they spit the yeah, rice so cakes out until they leave for school. So all that you'd be like, what are yeah, you talking about? That's all completely cut. The kids spit out the rice cakes and it goes right to them at the Bauer Agency later that day. And watching that whole scene, it's not necessary for the whole episode no it really isn't i mean you know there's i mean it's entertaining it's funny and it's good but it's not necessary i can see why they cut it out yeah they just they cut them for time so they can jam them full of commercials right um and so on antenna tv you can learn about health and life insurance (laughs) (laughs) um and then what's the other one too that did they are they the ones that also run the ASPA commercials yeah with the sad dogs sad animals so i can't take those okay so now they're at the Bauer Agency. Tony comes in with some shi- a shipment, but as he walks in, yes. there's like a vestibule going into, and he, he sees a woman, and he does that Tony thing where he's like, ah, 
Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. Hey. And then, <laughs> and then she goes animal on. noises. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like you can't take him out in public. Like sometimes, why, Tony? Why does he just randomly say hello to women? Well, he just like he gets, strange. Like, hey, yeah. he can't do that now. Be like, I mean, he's I mean, only saying you, hello. You can't. I know, but, but yes. it's it's the Tony Danza cheesing. Right. Exactly. Cheesing on her. And there's a few. There's one episode that stands out in my head that's even worse. Um, it's coming up a bit later, but yeah, it's funny. It's like he just goes a little crazy when he sees women out in public. So he's coming with this shipment of boxes, and he's like, what is all this stuff? Angela says they're essentials. It's an espresso machine, and that is so that you appear classy and you want your clients alert. Yes. Then there's also a case of champagne that's because you don't want them too alert. And then there's a gumball machine. <laughs> and the gumball machine is just to be to make people feel that this speci- this agency is special and unique and all the agencies have them. <laughs> what makes it so unique then? <laughs> but it's cute how excited Angela is here. So like they're setting up this office. Uh, she this... says you have to spend money to make money. So now this is the first time we've actually seen the completed inside yes. of the office, right? Yeah. Furnished and everything. Right, because yes. last episode they just came home from work, but we didn't actually see it. Right. So yeah, so we now have this new set that we'll see quite a bit, um, and it's really cute. So Angela's setting up the gumball machine, and Mona says, you know, I've only seen one or two episodes of Wall Street Week, but shouldn't money be coming in before it's going out? <laughs> so Angela's explaining, you know, that you have to kind of spend money in order to make money. And another example of that is that she will be flying to San Francisco tomorrow to take Mr. Ping to the finest restaurant in Chinatown so that she can get his rice cake account. And she says, let this be a lesson to all of you in the office. And Tony's (laughs) like, we get to go to lunch in San Francisco? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. But she says, I want us to start thinking first class. So... They want fresh cut flowers. They want anything. They're going to be wooing clients. They want them to know that this is a top of the line agency. First class. An aura of success. And Mona says, so this way they won't know you're desperate. Exactly. Um, I actually looked up the show they're referencing, Wall Street Week. Oh, yeah? yeah I didn't know what it was. It's a real, it was a real show. Oh. I mean, it looked like it was especially 1970 to 2005. It ran, so that maybe it was on its peak here in the 80s, who knows. Um, and then it was just on and off in between and ended in 2017, and then it, it actually came back again in 2020. Oh my gosh. So it's on again. But not with the same host? Um, no, it's different hosts okay. all the way around. Nobody say. that anybody knows really who they are. But So, um, so go ahead. Now the next day, Angela's in France... <laughs> friend San Francisco (laughs) Um, and Mona and Tony are at the office and he is buffing the floors it's so ridiculous yeah like what and where do they have a buffer I just keep it in the office closet it could be like the building's buffer or something but it's very Tony to buff the floors I know under the rug yes the rug's rolled up (laughs) and Mona's like the boss is 3,000 miles away like relax have a cup of coffee and Mona uh, Tony says I've already had five cups of coffee (laughs) I feel like I could buff the ceiling. What did he say? Ceiling? Yeah. Or the buff roof. The he buffed the roof. Yeah. <laughs> so the phone rings and Mona goes to answer it, but she's like, hello, yes, Bauer Agency, will you hold please? And she's sounding very busy. And then she sits down <laughs> and she gets her cup of coffee and she folds her legs and she looks around. Now here's the one Halloween decoration or just fall decoration that would give you any inclination that they it's Halloween and who's the boss land because behind Mona there's a tiny gourd on the filing cabinet <laughs> that almost just looks like somebody had a gourd on set and they were like oh I'm just gonna put and it just here leave it there because Halloween's in three days when this episode airs and we've done nothing about it <laughs> we didn't acknowledge it at all <laughs> at all um so Tony's like Mona what are you doing you know you should be talking to the people on the phone and Mona's like, no, I have to let them think. You know, you don't want them to know that we're not busy. You want mm. them to think that, well, we're, you know, we're going to be able to try to fit them in as soon as we can. She says, I'm creating an aura of success. Mm. <laughs> so kind of smart, Tony's actually. like, oh, okay, I get it. So then Mona picks the phone back up and she's like, oh, yes, okay. Um, will you please just set that down next to the Toyota account? And then she goes back to the phone. Hello? 
Oh, oh, hi, Angela. (laughs) (laughs) After all that, she leaves Angela and Noel for like a minute. And now Angela's all excited that they have the Toyota account, (laughs) which she has to tell her that they don't. So she explains, I was just trying to create the aura of success. <laughs> um, so Angela's asking, like, how are the kids? They're fine. She wants to talk to Tony. So Tony's super excited that he gets to be on his first conference call. He runs over to the other phone <laughs> and picks it like, up. Oh, conference call. <laughs> like, like, what is he so excited about? <laughs> Just being included. I it's guess. Tony. It's the 80s, you know, two people on a phone. It's fun. It's, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Like, having more than one person on a phone line back then probably seemed pretty special. Like, that three-way calling, that yeah. was very big. Oh, my God, that was huge, yeah. Um, okay, so he's talking to Angela. He's kind of, like, giving her a pep talk about <laughs> the lunch, and he tells her, now, don't forget, the little chopsticks are for the salad. I thought that was pretty cute. I know. <laughs> she gave, because it, it's kind of, um, she did give him similar advice when he went out with that lady in Not Without, Not With My Client. Remember he went to like the fancy embassy dinner? Oh, yeah, yeah. And she reminded him to use the, the, the small fork. fork That's right. for the salad. Um, small fork is for the salad. So they're wishing her luck. You're going to do great. Bye-bye. And then they hang up the phone. Now, Mona's like, all right, let's celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) Bust out the... Angela's gone. Time to bust out the champagne. So she grabs a couple of champagne flutes that are on the filing cabinet. Tony opens up the champagne, and they they each pour themselves a glass of champagne. And you'll see that they both take Uh a sip. Bizarre. I know. Um, and they're talking about how they're going to ride this little rice cakes account to the stars. <laughs> they're very excited that Angela's going to come home with the rice cake account. Now, as they're celebrating, a man walks into the office who they think could be a prospective client. So they're like, oh, hi, hi, come on in. And Mona says, here, have they sit him down in a chair. And Mona says, here, have a glass of champagne. And then she hands him the glass of champagne that she was drinking. Yeah, but he doesn't know that, I guess. <laughs> it's ridiculous i know it really is and then tony goes over to the gumball machine and he's like i feel a red one coming on (laughs) and and gets a gumball but the guy's like they're you know what what can we do for you and he says well it's more of what i can do for you and they realize he's a salesman so mona takes the champagne back and tony chews the gumball Now, this guy, um, this actor What's is... interesting is, as the episode continues, the gumball's gone. It, maybe Tony swallowed the gum. Oh. He's not chewing gum anymore. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Come on. Um, so, this actor is Paul Eating. It's E-I-D-I-N-G. Hmm. Oh, Eating. I thought I was Elding when I read it. No. That's an I. Yeah, right. it's an okay. I. Um, but this yeah. guy's credits, it's credits for days. Oh my goodness. It's unbelievable. I looked them up too. 290 IMDb credits. Still working today. Most recently, um, an episode of the Mad About You reboot. Mm-hmm. Some video game work. Yeah, I a mean, lot of voice voiceover stuff. And the yeah. amazing thing is when you scroll down his credits, it's like every year it's four or five things. Yes. So, like, he is constantly working. And, there, it, like, it doesn't miss a year. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, he has worked a lot. Great. Excellent. I love that. I know. I did, too. It's cool. So, he's saying that um, he has a limo service. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm not even going to bother with my sale pitch. You guys aren't interested. But if you are, here's my business card. And... We lease limousines, which makes more sense than renting a limousine. Because if you rent it, then you pay by the hour. If you lease it, then you have it the whole month. And, you know, it costs less overall from leasing it than using it when you just need it. Um, So he makes the math sound really good to Mona and Tony. Yeah. So much so that they just decide that they're going to go ahead and sign with this guy. Yeah, $1.50 an hour. Right. It's $1.50 an hour. Um, and all for just $1,000 a month. And then the great thing is that when you're not using the limo, you park it out front and it will create an aura of success. Uh, I touched on a nerve yeah. with Mona with so, the aura. I mean, sold. 
So, <laughs> and the like, aura of success. You know, Mona signed that, right? Not Tony. Would he have signed it? He did get her. He did get her jag painted red. Yeah, he, he, he learned has, his lesson. I think. I, but has he? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> not. <laughs> Who knows? It could have been either one that signed that piece of paper. That's true. But I'm going to go with Mona because I think she's actually the one who unloads it in the end. Okay, so now it's the next morning. It's 6 a.m. Tony's coming down in a very ill-fitting bathrobe. I don't know. Is it Angela's bathrobe? <laughs> no, because well, hers are then, always pink. Sleeves, but yeah. the sleeves are so short. And, and it's like a half, like a like a baseball jersey bathrobe. Yes, it's very odd. And he, he seems worried that stuff's going to fall out because he keeps pulling at it like <laughs> to cover himself. <laughs> the sleeves. I know. The sleeves are ridiculous. It's comical. That must have been like a, a look. I don't know. Okay, a but, robe that doesn't have sleeves. <laughs> well, it has sleeves, but it just has like these giant wide sleeves. Looks like a kimono. It does look a bit like a kimono. So, but but Angela looks worse. Her hair is a mess. She's completely wrinkled. And Tony's like, "What are you doing here at six a.m.? And your eyes look all red. What flight did you take?" <laughs> oh, you took the red eye. Yeah, I figured it out. I wonder if I knew what a red eye was when I was a kid, because mm. I lived on the East Coast. I don't. And I know, we, never, we never went anywhere west. Um, no, neither did we. So he's asking, you know, how, how did things go with Ping? And she just gives him a look. And he's like, okay, that's not a good look. Um, okay, so um, but he says, not that, you, not that you look bad, but could I iron your coat? <laughs> I know. You can't take it. And then he says, how's the airplane food? Why, why would you even ask that? I know. And she's not even looking at him. So he's like, I'm getting lonely. You're not talking to me. You're not looking at me. Um, so she says that she went to San Francisco to meet with Mr. Ping, but somehow Jim Peterson had his secretary call and pretend to be her secretary Mm. and then met Mr. Ping at his hotel and picked him up and took him to the restaurant but Angela wasn't there because they went early. Is that what? The, is that how? It no, worked? they went. They went to another restaurant. Okay. It was another restaurant. Entirely. Oh right, he moved it to another restaurant. Right. He, yeah, he Peterson moved it to another restaurant, so and they would miss her entirely. Got it. And so we're getting Jim Peterson is back. We'll never see Jim Peterson again, but he's still but he's causing still problems. Haunting Angela. <laughs> So Angela's like, I wasn't at the restaurant, but guess who was? And Tony says, Tony Bennett. I know. Not helping Tony. No, but you know why. So that they could work in another Tony Bennett reference? Um, I guess, but um, I mean, he wrote the song, I Left My Heart in San Francisco. And he, I guess, I don't know if he like lived there or whatever, but that's what that means. Tony Bennett is big San Francisco, but he wrote a song called, which... I keep going because we. I really probably can't explain it. I can explain it better after the next line. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So that's basically that. Jim Peterson tricked Mr. Ping into meeting with him. He had a full rice cake presentation to show him, <laughs> and now Mr. Ping thinks that Angela stood him up. Won't even talk to her, and he's going to fly. He's going to go with Wallace and McQuaid. So Angela's like, I was so upset that I just flew home. And she says she flew home economy. And what? Right, right, yes. Right, because now f- f- full... Did, uh, I, or did I miss where she said the part about San Francisco? Well, yes, because then she says... She says, after he says Tony Bennett, and then they do the whole thing, she says, I'd like to rip his heart out and leave it in San Francisco. Because then Tony Bennett had a song called I Left My Heart in San Francisco. Okay. Got it. Sorry, I, now, it's a big buildup for very little pay. Okay, you could have said but I'm it saying, earlier. <laughs> right, but I wanted to get to the line. Oh, I see. I thought okay. you were going to get to no, that I'm particular sorry. line. I skipped over it because I didn't think it was important. And then I was going to try to interrupt at that Got point. It. Okay. But it did not go well at all. But, it's but that's not, the reference. He said Tony Bennett, then it's rip your heart out and leave it I in San Francisco. I am not very familiar with Tony Bennett. I had no idea that <laughs> he wrote that song. So I didn't get this joke when I was a kid, and I still didn't get still this joke get as yeah. an adult. That's okay. Um, so she says, you know, that's the new word around here, economy. No more frills. And Tony's like, uh-oh. So when you say mo- no more frills, mm-hmm. what exactly do you mean? And she says the espresso machine has to go back. <laughs> 
He's like, that's okay, I saved the box. And the gumball machine has to go back. That's okay, <laughs> I saved the box. I mean, I could see the espresso machine being quite a bit, but how, what was that gumball? 50 bucks? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> we got to send that, that back. Um, and Angela says, and I, ha- I see a limo parked in the driveway. And Tony says, I don't, I don't have, have the- a box for that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they're in trouble. So now Angela's in the kitchen. Who do you think went and got Mona? Because she's still in her pajamas. So do you think (laughs) Angela walked over there and just started banging on the door? Or she sent Tony in his little ill-fitted robe to go get Mona? Ill-fitted robe. So Mona's now in the kitchen and Angela's like, okay, so you guys bought a limousine? And Mona says, no, no, that would be... that." It's very unwise. We're leasing a limousine, and mm. it's only costing you a dollar fifty an hour. And Angela says, "Oh my God, that's a thousand dollars a month." And then she quickly does the math, right? And Tony says, "How'd you do that so fast?" <laughs> but okay, so Mona says, "But tell her the beauty part." And the beauty part is that you, when they're not using it, they can park it in front of the building and create an aura of success. The aura of success. Enough with that. But Angela says there is a no parking zone in front of the building, (laughs) so we cannot park it there. Mona's like, okay, but there's another beauty part. So when we're not using it for clients, we can rent it out. And then we can make way more of a profit renting it out then we then a thousand you know way more than a thousand dollars so it'll bring in some money and tony's like yeah now that we don't have the rice cake account this will help so you know well that's a way for us to bring in extra money until we get more accounts and angela says who's gonna rent this he says people who don't rent uh, don't lease their own limousine (laughs) (laughs) or he says people who aren't smart enough to rent their own limousine so she's like oh stupid people Mm -hmm. but really the people who are renting the limousine are the smart people yeah exactly because they're not paying a thousand dollars a month for a limousine they're barely (laughs) using and angela's like who's gonna drive the limousine tony says i will will. she says well who's gonna pick up the kids from school and do the parents association and coach samantha soccer and pick up jonathan from boy scouts he says i will he's basically telling her that he's gonna be able to handle all this and he's willing to do it to help out the company and he's drinking plenty of espresso (laughs) no i know to get it done he says they're gonna have that espresso machine back in no time hasn't gone anywhere yet Oh, that's espresso. true. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, so now it must be the next day or so. And Samantha's super excited about the uh, limo in the front yard because she's telling someone on the phone that if she helps wash it, her dad said he would take her for a spin. Hmm. But she just sent Jonathan out there to wash it. I know. And then he washes it and then comes back in and he's like, are you still on the phone or whatever? But it ends up that he doesn't take them anywhere. Like he promised to take him in the limo. Oh, I don't. I don't think he promised to take Jonathan anywhere. Well, even her though. He oh, doesn't. I thought he they, just says I don't have enough time. I think it's Bonnie she's talking to, by the way. Oh, okay. But, but then, wait, so they get into a fight, and he's like, "You made me wash the whole limo." Right. Um, and then he's about to throw a sponge at her when Tony comes out, and Tony's <laughs> gotta like, throw a sponge "We gotta go." And, oh, right, right. She wants to go by all these different places. The mall and, and Marcy's yeah. and or I think whatever. He was just planning to let them, like, come along for a ride. He wasn't planning on, like, driving them all over town. Or but, just dropping her off somewhere. Right. Maybe. Yeah. So he's, like, all crazy busy. He's trying to do the laundry. <laughs> he comes around the corner with the laundry basket. And he's got the full suit and the hat on. <laughs> yes. The Mona's limo hat. His, yeah, it says Mona's limo. I had a hard time reading the Mona in that, but it does in fact I'm pretty say sure it does that. say that. No, it does. We were able to... I'm crazy here, yeah. that's what he says. <laughs> so he's like, I could use a little help from my family. He goes over to the table behind the couch, picks up like a, you know, a thing of like... It's like one of those... Like cleaning supplies. Yeah. yeah. And metal. then he just sets it on the floor. He's right. He's very busy. He can't put it in. He, no, that's where it goes. <laughs> he's just going to pick it up and then put it back down. Yeah. And then he says, I don't have any idea where Angela's dry cleaning was. It was supposed to be in the back of the car. And Jonathan's like, there's nothing in the back of the car. So 
or back of the limo. So now Tony's running through the day and he realizes that when he drops someone off at JFK, mm. he must have sent her dry cleaning with them thinking it was their luggage. So now Angela's dry cleaning is somewhere over Brussels <laughs> or on its way to Brussels. <laughs> now, <laughs> Mona is at the Bauer Agency and she's also getting herself confused. So someone's called and they're, well, they're asking... They think it's an escort service, not a limo service. So she's trying to explain to the person on the phone, like, we rent cars, not women. It's not an escort service. But then they must throw a number out there, and she's like, really, how much? (laughs) And now she's a bit interested. But there's another call. So she's like, hold, please. So she answers the other call, and she's all confused. Am I supposed to say Bauer Agency? Am I supposed to say Mona's Limos? (laughs) Mona's Limos, a subsidiary of the Bauer Agency. And she transfers the first call to Angela, which she was supposed to transfer the second call. So now Angela comes out and says, there's a man on the phone who wants to know how much I charge by the hour. (laughs) And Mona's like, oh, he's talking about the limo. She's like, no, he's not. (laughs) So, like, why would she have still even kept the pervy escort guy on the phone? (laughs) That's a good point. Maybe she was going to She was like, hang on. I'm I'm coming back to that phone call because I just want to see exactly how much... We, we could make here. Now, Tony comes in, and he's like, okay, two Bumbling stops done. Things. Right, right. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, oh, yeah, yeah. Here you go. Here we go. go. <laughs> um, but he's done with his two stops. He's yeah. like, okay, what's my next thing? And Mona's like, you're done. And he's like, thank goodness. And mm-hmm. plops down on the chair because he's exhausted. And Angela's like, this is not working. <laughs> Everything is in chaos. My housekeeper can't keep my house because he's too busy driving a limo everywhere. I have no idea where my dry cleaning is. He's <laughs> Which, like, it's somewhere over Normandy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and he, he's so depressed about it, too. Um, and Angela's like, you know, I've never been so depressed in my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know where you can find me, which is Bloomingdale's fourth floor, which must be the women's department. So she's going shopping. But Tony's like, no, no, what about not spending money? And she says, it doesn't cost anything to try stuff on. And plus, the feel of cashmere next to my skin always cheers me up. <laughs> Man, these two really screwed things up. I know, of course. Um, so Tony, Mona and Tony are left in the office. And Mona gets on the phone. And he's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I've got a little plan. So she's planning to go pick up Mr. Ping before Wallace and McQuaid can get there because Mm -hmm. Mr. Ping is on his way to um, sign the papers to go with Wallace and McQuaid. So Mona's driving the limo. She picks up Mr. Ping and she starts talking to him, you know, like, what kind of business are you here for? He's saying that he's about to sign with Wallace McQuaid for his um, rice cake line. Um, but before you get any further, there was one line in this oh, right. that I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I no, should have no, cut no. you off sooner. Um, and when she's doing that on the phone and arranging the the, uh, the, the old switcheroo, um, he said, Tony says, oh, it's, he's like, oh, whoa, 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 is what he actually right. says. <laughs> He's like, that's dirty pool. And I was like, what the heck does that mean? So I I went to the internet. Thank you. And I found dirty pool describes actions that are underhanded, not fair, dishonest, taking an unfair advantage through devious means. The idiom dirty pool is often used in politics to mean smearing or slurring the reputation of the opponent. So basically, it's just a it's a dirty move. Playing dirty, yeah, yeah. just like dirty pool. Not really a term you hear these days. No, it's probably an old like I maybe like when people cheat at a pool game or something. Right, yeah, I don't yeah. know where it's where it originates <laughs> from, but um, yeah, yeah, I've never heard anybody say dirty pool no. until this episode. I know. I was like, I don't even understand what that means. Nah, I did. That's how to look it up. Thank you. Okay, so. Um, while she's talking to Mr. Ping, she's like, you know, are you sure you want to go with Wallace McQuaid? Because ever since they lost their president, I've heard that stuff has really gone downhill. Yeah, no kidding, because they couldn't make it through one toilet paper account. So, <laughs> like, I don't know how Wallace McQuaid's going to get through the rest of the year <laughs> without stealing people from Angela. Yeah, that's pretty much what they're going to have to do. Yeah. Um But he's like, no, I've been very happy with them. You know, you're not going to be able to change my mind. And so Mona's like, okay, you know, she starts charming Mr. Ping, making him feel really good about himself, and she just keeps driving. So 
she's basically kind of getting him to think that she's interested in him. But she starts talking about Angela Bauer and how, you know, she was really all of Wallace and McQuaid. And he's like, she's a flake. She stood me up. And then he's like, who are you, her mother? <laughs> no. She just keeps quiet, keeps talking to him. She's like, you know, if you really want like a down-home personal touch, you're not going to want to go with Wallace and McQuaid because she was the best thing that happened there, and mm-hmm. now she's gone. You know, um, we never... Did we ever talk about this actor? Oh, no. Okay, right. So this actor is James Hong. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. What? We thought that um, Paul had a lot of credits. Oh. James Hong has 440 wow. credits on IMDb. Wow. Again, still working today. I mean, he's been in everything. He has been in so much stuff. Um, the one, I mean, the one thing I really recognize him from is Seinfeld. Yeah, me too. Seinfeld for? Yes. He played the host at the Chinese restaurant when they're trying to get a table. Yeah. And then they finally leave and they, their name gets called. And I also remember him from King of Queens where he owned a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> is that when Doug is pretending to... to- he, he rents an apartment above right, the... Right, okay, that's, yeah. that's the episode. He's in that episode. Right, yeah. But yes, and he I think he also has quite a bit of voiceover work on here. Yeah, it looks but, like it. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. It's so interesting when you see these people who may... Are, I mean, they're recognizable. They may not necessarily be a celebrity in the way that we think of celebrities, but a working actor, like, has worked so much in Hollywood and never had like you know a reoccurring role or as like a main star but and it just it makes like I, I think I mentioned it to you the other day it makes me wonder like are they just like that good they're so typecast or easy to plug into spots is it that they're so easy to work with that their reputation gets yeah, around like and they just keep getting called back the same directors and produce I mean yeah it's just interesting when these kind of I don't want to say nobodies but People that nobody knows who they are, and he's done 400 and something things. Right, right. And, I, you know, he's one of those guys, like, as soon as I saw him, like, oh, Seinfeld. He's like, I, He's yeah. done something everybody recognizes, but it's amazing to me that these people continue to work. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if it's, it must be a combination of that, and I feel like... Oh, we haven't heard that in I a while. know. Dog needs to go out. Okay, we're back. Um, yeah, I feel like he would have to be easy to work with, you know, and then also... I guess like if an agency has someone who books they're going to keep sending them out because True. they book and then they book more but yeah that is very interesting to me i would love to just like interview one of these character actors one day and just be like because i mean I, I assume you can make a living at this if they do but you just wonder how and like that has to be a very kind of nerve-wracking living to make when you are constantly just out looking for your next job. Yeah, I job. guess, but if you're continuously working, that'll that'll be our next podcast, the one episode <laughs> actor, and we'll just try to interview. <laughs> oh, that would be, be actually great. pretty amazing. Yeah, just like interviewing character actors. Character actors. That would be awesome. The character actor. And yeah. you just Because everybody would know him from something. Right. And then you can talk about I'm, You like, know what? It has to have already been done. I'm going to have know. to look. They will now. Yeah. All, we have so many <laughs> listeners and we're going to get ripped off. My idea is going to get ripped off. All right. The 14 of you don't take that idea. Yeah, right. Um, Okay. So while Mona's out with uh, Mr. Ping, Angela's back in the office and she's like, what was so important that you had me paged at Bloomingdale's? (laughs) She's like, I was trying on the most beautiful silk blouse. She takes off her jacket. She looks down. She's like, oh my God, this is it. Yeah, it's in her hand. She stole it. Right. Now, not only is my life a, a complete mess, but I'm a shoplifter. And Tony's like, don't worry, they know you. Just call and give them your credit card. <laughs> and as she's looking at the boss more, she's like, I don't even really know if I like it. But Tony's like, look, it's beautiful. You, we got to rip this tag off here because you need to be in top, tip top. Is that it? Tip top tip, shape. Tip top shape, yeah. yes. He's like, you never know when an important business client is going to walk through the door. Um, so he goes to get some scissors to cut the tag off. And Mona brings Mr. Ping into the office. Um, she's still flattering him the whole way. Now, when he walks into the office and he realizes that it's Angela Bauer's office and not Wallace and McQuaid, mm. he, he says, you tricked me, Red. <laughs> you, you tricked me, Red. <laughs> and then he says, you pulled the Shanghai surprise. The Shanghai surprise. Of course, 
I had to look that one up. Yeah. Okay. So this is a tricky one because one is ter- one definition is terrible. Yeah. And then the other definition is well, just don't go to Urban Dictionary. You'll be less okay. terrible. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I mean, so not as terrible, but good. It. But should you want me to read it or? Um. Read the less terrible one. I don't know if I have the terrible one. I didn't know we. Oh. Would oh. Okay. Good. It. Um, the definition of Shanghai Surprise is to Shanghai someone is to kidnap. Kidnap or trick them into working for you. The Shanghai person would wake up to find himself in the sea, often on a long trip to Shanghai. But basically it's to trick somebody, which is what happens here. He got tricked. Right, he thought he right, was right. going to Wallace and McQuaid. Okay. Yes, but don't use that in casual conversation because you heard it on this show. <laughs> No, (laughs) I just wanted to cover what the definition of the Shanghai surprise. Yes, because then the other definition that was on Urban Dictionary is that you go on a date with someone. Yeah, here it is. Going home with a casual sex buddy only to find out that she slash he is not the gender you had once believed. Right. That's a different Shanghai surprise. Yes, that's terrible. And I don't understand why that would be. Urban Dictionary makes no sense. Why is that the Shanghai surprise? I don't. I guess because based on the original definition of shanghai surprise you were tricked yeah i guess so i don't i don't i don't know where shanghai comes into it so i don't know yeah i just go by what the internet tells me because it's always (laughs) urban dictionary has some terrible things but i would assume that when the show used this they had no idea of their because the urban urban dictionary wasn't around obviously internet wasn't around so if anyone was actually using it for that reason, they would have, would not have known. Oh, my God, don't. I mean, I'm scrolling down the Urban Dictionary, and it's getting worse. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, now Mr. Ping is there, and they are like, okay, you know, um, he wants to leave, and they're like, no, no, wait a minute, just hear Angela out. You know, you got tricked. She has been planning this rice cake campaign for months and, um, you know, she's the woman responsible for pretty much everything, every national campaign that was going on at Wallace McQuaid for the last year. So he's like, yeah, like who? Or like what? And Angela says, well, Peche fragrances for one. And that is a callback to, mm-hmm. again, not without my client, um, where jean was from Peche fragrances. Right. And where uh, Angela was going to ruin Tony's wonderful night. I know. Uh, poor Tony. <laughs> um, and then Tony says, and guacamunchies to name but two. So that is a callback to the episode Custody. Um, but Mr. Pink says guacamunchies are disgusting. I know, that's so funny. <laughs> know. And he's like, and you can tell they're, well, they're like, okay, but so like your rice cakes are disgusting. But he says, if you know, Angela can sell guacamunchies and she can sell your rice cakes. He says, you're disgusting rice cakes. Right? And then he decides, like, ha, just kidding. <laughs> All right, so they leave Angela to take Mr. Ping into her office and pitch the rice cake campaign. Mm-hmm. So she won. Yep, yeah, and so she, yeah, she gets them. Um, and it's so cute too, where like as Angela's going into the office, she comes back out and says like thank you to her mom for that. Um, and, and then they want him to call Jim Peterson and let him know that uh, Mr. Ping won't be arriving. <laughs> and Tony says, well, I'm going to go send him a box of rice cakes. I know. And, the, uh, and, then, and then after that, Tony goes running haphazardly like a crazy person <laughs> into the vestibule. What is that back there? I like, don't know. Foyer. He runs it's away. Like, yeah. like a, It's like he's laughing like a madman and... <laughs> What is that area? The bathroom? Like, I don't even know. Yeah, maybe know. he had to go the whole scene. <laughs> he went running to the bathroom. Also, if you look behind Tony, um, to like the left, there's a horse on mm. like a credenza. Oh, yeah, right, right. And at first I was thinking that this was the horse that was at the house on that like side table. But no, Angela just really likes horses. Mm-hmm. So we have this horse here. Then in the house, they have a horse on the table um, against the wall that's by the stairs. There's a horse on the mantle. And then there's a little person in a carriage being pulled by horses on the table behind the couch. 
Hmm. So we really never get this backstory without why Angela loves horses so much. <laughs> but I think it's cute. Um, so in the tag, Mona's on the phone and she's super excited because she's unloaded the um, limo. Hmm. Someone is going to sublease their lease. And Thank God. Yes. Yeah, so Angela's like, how did you get them to do it? So Mona did the math for a funeral home. And she said it was only going to cost $1,000 a month, two fifty a week, $35 a day. And that worked out to only be $150 a stiff. <laughs> so they're excited that it's gone. Now, Tony comes in the house because he's very excited that he's found Angela's dry cleaning. <laughs> and he's like, you know, they say the airport always loses luggage, but I, you know, they've always come through for me. And he opens up the box and it's a kimono. <laughs> it's a very pretty kimono. It is. Yeah. And then immediately Mona's like, okay, well, now you could use that and make extra money as a geisha. Which is bizarre. Completely. I don't understand what that means. <laughs> Ridiculous, but. slightly offensive. And right. And doesn't she, doesn't right. make any sense. Where's she going to make money being a... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> but it is a beautiful kimono. It and is. And then Tony says something in Japanese, and that is the end of the episode. Yeah. What does he say in Japanese? Bizarre. I don't know. I, I mean, wonder. they don't... They didn't translate it in the closed captioning, so we'll never know. You should have checked Google Translate. Oh, yeah. I wonder if you can do that with an episode. Anyway. Well, you'd have to... Somebody do it and call us and let us know. (laughs) Siri would have to, like, say it. and You know what I mean? Mm Because we don't know what the words are. Well, if you record him saying... Yeah, then you have to somehow transfer it to text to text. All right, we're spending way too much time. Yes, it's it's not worth it. Probably okay. Nothing. So I went right first with rating last time. You go first. Um, rating. Um, this one wasn't bad. It wasn't uh, as bad as some of the previous. Wait, no, wait. What's the last one? Um, the last one that we just Ma- did Montague. was Daddy's Little Montague Girl. Yeah, you know, that was okay. Kind of a filler episode. This one kind of continued the agency a little bit more. Uh, and it, it um, anyway. She got her first client, you know, which was good. Um, you know, I, I'll give it, I'll give this a 7.5. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, I kind of liked it. All right. We were at odds with this one. I just thought the Mona's limo was so ridiculous and Tony acting yeah, yeah. silly. And, that I don't is know, cute. It was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. I guess I gave Daddy's Montague <clears throat> Girl more only because it dealt with Samantha more. I don't mm-hmm. know. I gave this one a 6.5. Oh, okay. Wow. More but, well. Way apart on this one. I I know we're usually like a half of half an AO, mm. half off. AO. Off. <laughs> but I, oh, I also want to mention that on IMDb there is an actor named Joe Morton who is listed as limo driver, and Joe Morton is a familiar face. Like if you look at him up on IMDb, you would recognize him for sure. And he also is still acting to today till today. Oh wow! Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. Oh my goodness! What? Okay. So, if anyone has watched The Politician, the second season of The Politician, Joe Morton plays Marcus, who is Judith Light's character's husband. That's interesting. How crazy is that? That is crazy. And previous to that, he played in a TV show called God Friended Me on CBS. But... I did not see Joe Morton in this episode. No, and we had the full episode. It wasn't like he was cut. Yeah, because... Unless he's the unless... one driving the limo in the cutaway shots. Okay, so... you said that's a man driving I did limo. think that, yeah. So in the B-roll of a limo driving down the street, there is clearly a man driving in the fir- you know, faraway shot, and then the close-up is Mona. What if that was it? That would be so strange if they credited the... Yeah, but maybe they did. Like, maybe... They maybe that B-roll to... was from something else. Yeah, maybe. And so they just credited him as the driver. Ah, uh, that's interesting. Or if there was an original broadcast cut that has been cut down way more since syndication. I know, but when would he have been in this? Like, yeah, it wouldn't have made sense like to Like he dropped see. the limo off to them to leave? I don't know. Yeah, but anyway. Interesting. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that he's listed and then not in the episode. And he's a very recognizable actor. But yes, and if anyone hasn't, so I'm going to, this is kind of bad of me, but I wanted to watch Judith Light on The Politician, but I hadn't heard spectacular things about The Politician. So Mm -hmm. I didn't watch the first season. (laughs) So I basically watched like an extended seven minute like 
background. What, I mean, you, you've heard the second season's better or something? Yes. Well, basically because Judith Light and Bette Midler are so funny in it. I thought the oh, second okay. season was great. But it's, you know, it's a show... Um, about a bunch of like young rich kids who are running for different kind of city offices. Oh, and okay. probably, I probably would have enjoyed it just fine, but I just didn't want to sit through an entire first season when I really just wanted to see the fun, excellent acting between Bette Midler what? and Judith Light. So yeah, I watched like a extended first season and then I watched the full second season. And um, she's excellent in it and the guy who plays her husband. And you remember Joe, him now. Joe Morton is fantastic. Okay, yes. great. Well, there you so, go. I should go back and watch the first season, I guess. But I kind of know what happened now. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's all. that was all about my rating. I'm all over yes. the place tonight. No, okay, that's sorry. okay. We, we had a realization on, on, on. <laughs> during the podcast. Okay, so yes, my rating was 6.5. We did that, yeah. Now it's on to... Who's the boss around here? Me? Or my mother? Or maybe it's you! I kind of wanted this to be a tie for boss, but I can't okay. take it away from Mona. So, okay. I mean, I feel like Tony, <laughs> are you just over there? Meh. No, I'm saying, okay, Meh. okay. I'm being like Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, Tony's kind of bumbling in this episode, but he's trying so hard right. to help and do whatever he can. But Mona's running things. Um, so because of that, I'm going to say that Mona's who signed for that limo. Mm-hmm. Um, Mona kind of came up with the idea that they would rent it out when they weren't using it. And then um, Mona picks up Mr. Ping, tricks him into coming back to the Bauer Agency and saves the day. So, yeah. Mona. Yeah. Um, I agree. I agree 100% Mona. I felt Mona from the beginning. Um, but you're right. Like, she, even though... I mean, she tried to help the business by getting a limo which kind of screwed things up but at the same time the limo ended up getting ping mm-hmm. over to the to the place that's true they didn't she's the one who made it. the she's she the one who ma- pulled the shanghai surprise okay. and and made the call to get ping to get in the limo and she did all the legwork to she kind did. of save it um and she essentially got the first um client you know or at yeah. least got him back again yeah you know with the rice cakes and everything Awesome. Yes, I agree. It is Mona. Okay, so you can reach us at the Who's the Boss Podcast on Instagram, Who's the Boss Pod One on Twitter, the Who's the Boss Podcast page on Facebook, or go to anchor.fm slash WTB podcast. And there you can leave us a voice message. So next time we are gonna cover what you sure the voicemail isn't full or something? Uh, let me check. Is it working? You know, yeah, let me check, check and make see sure if that thing's working. <laughs> it's working. All right. Um, the next episode we're going to cover is the Hickey. Do you remember this one? Mm, vaguely, okay. I kind of do. Yeah, I definitely remember this one. This yeah. is. It's funny how quickly Samantha went from like little girl to like teenager. Yeah, she really. There's a very big um, growth for her between season two and season three. Yeah, I just think she was at that point where, you know, in between episodes, she grew yeah. quite a bit and she matured like a lot that season maybe, you know? So yeah. they had to kind of go with it. But it was great because it opened up a lot more storylines for her. It did, yeah. That's true. So, all right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and tell all your friends and give you a big pat on the back. Bye. I added some extra.